Hello, I'm Mercedes. And I'm Tash. And you're listening to episode 113 of Chat Disney. Welcome back to another episode of the Chat Disney podcast. And I'm really excited today because Tash and I are going to be doing something that I can't actually believe we've never done before. And that's that we're going to be ranking the Disney parks to create our very own ultimate ranking of the Disney parks. So we're not just looking at resorts. We're not just going to be doing a face off between Walt Disney World and Disneyland. We're going park level to decide ultimately, finally, which Disney park is the best. Very, very exciting. And if you stay tuned to the end of today's episode, we're also going to be doing a mad chatter where we're going to be discussing the Magic at Sea, which is the new Disney cruise for UK residents. So lots of fun, exciting stuff to talk about today. But before we get into all of that, let's have a quick look at what has been happening in the world of Disney this week. So as I'm sure lots of our lovely listeners are aware, Disney have now purchased the rights to 20th Century Fox, which means that all movies that are created by 20th Century Fox are now owned by the Walt Disney Company. And one such movie is Steven Spielberg's new adaptation of West Side Story. And I am very, very excited about this movie. Disney did email all of the people on the Disney Plus mailing list this week with a look at the trailer for West Side Story, which I have watched, and as I say, very excited about this new contemporary version of the film. I am so excited for this. Also, I cannot wait to watch this movie in the cinema in December, which hopefully it will be there by then. A bit of controversial news for you today coming from our park in Disneyland. So obviously Disneyland reopened its doors last week. And with that, we got to see for the first time the new version of the Snow White Dark Ride, Snow White's Enchanted Wish. And some fans have come forward and complained that Disney have decided to keep in the scene at the end where the prince kisses Snow White because it's not a kiss that she consents to. So a lot of people have taken to social media this week to complain about it. So there's been quite a lot of controversy around that. Disney haven't commented on this and I don't think that scene is going to be taken out anytime soon. Yeah, it's a really interesting one and it does raise a lot of issues around the subject and the topic of consent. And perhaps that's one for a future Mad Chatter Tash for us to have a talk about. But yeah, a lot to unpack and the news section is not the place for that. So I will move swiftly on to a little bit of Walt Disney World news and very, very exciting character dining is back at Tusker House at Disney's Animal Kingdom. So we are starting to pave the way to Towards a little bit more normality, which is awesome. Absolutely. And speaking about more normality and things getting back to normal, one thing that comes into that is theatres. And well, if you live in America, then good news for you because starting in November, a new Broadway show, which is entitled Disney Princess The Concert. Now, when I saw this, I was like, oh, what on earth is that? And it's basically a Broadway-style show that has been put together to showcase songs, animation, stories from our favourite Disney Princess movies, and it's going to star a lot of Broadway stars as well. So very, very exciting. I can't wait for more news of this as we get closer to the release date. 
Yeah, it seems that Disney princesses are everywhere right now because Shop Disney have also just launched the ultimate princess celebration as well. And I love the Disney princesses. I think they're one of my favorite franchises to come out of the Walt Disney Company. So I'm really excited about the Broadway show and all of this cool merch that we're getting as well. And some other really exciting things as well that came out last week were new content releases to Disney Plus, one of which we teased last week. It was, of course, the Pixar short 22 versus Earth, which was a, well, we thought it was going to be a glimpse into 22's life in the future as she embarks upon Earth. We are, of course, talking about 22 from Seoul. Unfortunately, I watched the short last week and it actually takes place before 22 meets Joe. So it takes place before the events of Seoul. It is charming and witty, but I was so desperately wanting to see what happened to 22. And unfortunately, the short did not give us that. No, we need another one for that. And finally, as we did discuss briefly last week, the cruise. Oh, that cruise. The tickets went on sale last Friday. We are going to be talking about it a little bit more at the end of this episode in a segment of Mad Chatter. So do stay tuned for that. And that is pretty much everything that has been happening in the world of Disney this week. We're now going to move on to the main part of the episode, the ultimate ranking of the Disney parks. I am beyond excited to get stuck into this today. If you couldn't tell from the intro, you can certainly tell now. So Tash and I started doing these kind of ultimate definitive rankings last year. And the way that they would work is that we would create different categories. So when we were looking at attractions, it was things like how thrilling are they? How family friendly are they? And then we would give each of the attractions or princesses or villains or whatever it was we were ranking a score out of five for each category would blend the those scores together to give them a final score out of 10 and then it would give us our ultimate list and we're back at it again this week but we're going to be doing it with Disney parks and as I said in the intro not resorts parks now the only exception is that we're not going to be including the Disney water parks so we're not going to be reviewing and ranking Blizzard Beach or Typhoon Lagoon and the only other disclaimer that I want to say before we get stuck into it is that these are our opinions so if we say that a Disney park that you love is not our favorite please don't take that personally the world would be a really boring place if we all like the same thing so this is just what me and Tash think and we probably will be a little bit biased. There are some parks on this list that I actually haven't been to. So I've tried to make as educated a guess as I possibly can with regards to those. And if Tash feels that I'm way off on any of them, I'm happy to be convinced otherwise because she has firsthand experience. Oh, I am so excited to get our teeth into this list. There's been a lot of preparation behind this. So our categories for today are we have theming and layout. So how well is the park themed? How well is the execution and the layout? Is it easy to navigate? Does it make sense, et cetera, et cetera? We're then going to be looking at attractions and entertainment. So thinking about your rides, your shows, your parades, et cetera guest service and experience. So thinking all about that extra Disney magic that we get in our parks, 
Food, obviously, don't really need to explain that one. I feel like we'll be getting into that one quite a lot. And uniqueness as well. So how unique is the park as a whole? So very, very exciting indeed. So Mercedes, shall we kick off with the OG, the original Disneyland Resort, looking at Disneyland Park? What did you give it for theming and layout? So for theming and layout, I thought about, you know, the context of which Disneyland was built. And a lot of that was inspired by our Disney Through the Decade series that we've just completed. So if you haven't had a listen, please go back, give that a listen, specifically the 1950s episode. And I had to give it a five because, you know, that traditional Disneyland layout that we've all become so familiar with your fantasy land your tomorrow land your frontier land this was the first time they were ever creating that and it was a formula that they didn't know whether or not it was going to work and it does obviously because we have lots of different iterations of it worldwide so I couldn't give it anything other than a five for theming and layout Uh, I completely agree with you. I also gave it a five for the very same reason. There's not really much that I can add to that. You summarized that very nicely. So moving on to attractions and entertainment, I gave it a four out of five. Obviously, we've got a lot of original attractions in terms of rides in that park. The reason I couldn't quite give it a five is because, A, it's been such a long time since I've been there, so I'm not up to date with what shows and what their current parade is. And also because some of those rides are in need of a little bit, you know, a bit of work. So thinking about things like the Matterhorn, for example, I love that ride, but it is very uncomfortable. It is very old, probably does need a little bit of work doing to it. And things like, I know that now it is getting an uplift, but Splash Mountain, obviously a lot of controversy surrounding that. It is still there at the moment. So that's why I took one mark away. Yeah, I thought about giving it a four as well for attractions and entertainment, but I actually ended up giving it a five as well. And that's because there were a few elements of the park that I'd kind of forgotten about. So in California, we have Fantasmic actually in the Disneyland Park, which obviously is quite different from Florida. And I think that that is the best Disney show of all time. So that definitely gives it a little bit more clout. I was also reminded that Galaxy's Edge is at Disneyland as well. Again, it's normally kind of at an overflow park, but I think that's something that makes that park a little bit more unique. And Star Tours is there as well, which again, in in Florida, we have it in Hollywood Studios. So yeah, okay, some of the attractions are a little bit tight. I completely agree with you, Tash, but it's got the originals of Pirates of the Caribbean, Haunted Mansion, and it's got some of this cool new stuff as well. So I did go for a five. Yeah, I think it's very hard with Disneyland to kind of take it down being that it is the original and that even though a lot of these rides are tired, like we've spoken about this so many times before, they deserve to be there because, you know, they are Walt's creations and Walt's envisions and things like that. So I don't know, to kind of get rid of all of this stuff completely would would not be fair, I feel, to, to Disneyland. So let's move on to the next category, guest service and experience. Mercedes, what did you give? So the guest service and experience, when Tash and I were kind of devising these different categories, there was a category that we wanted to capture and we weren't quite sure what to call it. And it was just that feeling of being somewhere special and having that like grandeur and that magical feeling. And then obviously guest service is linked to that because the cast members kind of make or break that that magical feeling that you have. And when I went to California for the first time in 2019, it was one of the first episodes that we ever did for the podcast. I was talking about how 
I kind of like my cynical side went to Disneyland and was like, okay, yeah, Walt built it. But, you know, it's been years since he was here and he hasn't made any of the more contemporary decisions around the park. Am I really going to feel the weight and the, the magnitude of his presence when I'm there? And oh my God, I absolutely did. And I'm sure that was helped by the fact that I did the walk in Walt's footsteps tour, which obviously you literally walk in Walt's footsteps and you go to the apartment that he lived in above the fire station. So yeah, I mean, it's no surprises what I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it a five. It does have that special feeling of being the original, being a park that Walt himself constructed, devised, created, and it's in America. And I'm sorry, I don't want to offend anybody who maybe your favorite park is in Europe or in Asia. But for me, the guest service in the North American parks is just above and beyond anything that we see anywhere else. So I gave it a five. I 100% agree with you. Again, it's a five out of five for me. That magic that you get from that park, being that it is Walt's Park, I don't know if, you know, we just think this because we're big Disney fans and we know, but there is something special about that park when you walk in knowing that that is Walt's creation and he was there and he was behind the running of it all. So I think that that really does give it that edge over the other parks. And then, yeah, as I say, it's been such a long time since I've been there, but I can remember how good their guest service was there and how good they are at creating those little extra magic moments. So yeah, five out of five for me. Yeah, definitely. And then the next category is the category that I am most passionate about. And for me, this is make or break as to whether or not I enjoy a Disney park. And that is, of course, food and dining. So for me in Disneyland, I actually gave it a four. Now, I do think that California has got the best food of all of the different Disney resorts. But I think a lot of that food can be found in other locations, which we'll talk about shortly. So for me, a four is like really good still it's a really good rating and some things that came into my decision were the donut stool outside the castle I love that you have seasonal donuts that are changed up things like the beignets being different flavors so you'll get like a pumpkin spice beignet in October you've got the tropical hideaway as well which is my favorite eatery of all time it's where you get your bao buns your different dole whips and things like that and you've got the blue bayou restaurant as well in Pirates of the Caribbean which again is really delicious and you can do a fantastic dining package there which I strongly recommend to anyone that's going to California but there are parts on this list that for me have got slightly better food so that's why I didn't give it a five I also gave it a four for me I base a lot of this around kind of what you said when you came back from Disneyland in 2019 and from what I see on social media and things like that the reason I took it down is because from my last trip the food wasn't particularly memorable. Now, I feel like my outlook on Disney food has changed very much since my last trip to Disney. At that time, I don't remember planning what restaurants we were going to go to, what I wanted to eat in comparison to when I went to Florida last year and I had a massive list of everything that I wanted to eat. So I think my outlook was slightly different back then. But given that there wasn't any one thing that I was desperate to try or that was particularly memorable, I took it down to a four. Do you think that your outlook towards Disney food has changed because it's all I talk about? (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to say that. Quite possibly, yes. I think that's part of the reason. I also think that I'm much more aware of, you know, the Disney community on social media and stuff now. And obviously food is such a massive thing. I mean, there's Instagram accounts that are just dedicated to food at Walt Disney World, for example. So I think that I'm more aware of that and your passion probably helped me on my last trip 
Yeah, for sure. Like Disney food blog is like one of my favorite Disney accounts of all time. And it's really exciting when you're about to go on a trip that you mentioned that there are accounts that are food specific for a specific park. And I remember before I went to California, I just followed a ton of California food accounts. And then of course you get back and you're, it just makes you sad. So you have to unfollow them and follow them again for the next trip. But there we are. And then that brings us onto the final category, which is uniqueness. And again, thinking about Disneyland in the context of the 1950s, when it was first built, I had to give it a five. I mean, it's completely unique. It's the world's first ever theme park. Walt Disney himself devised that kind of hub and spoke design that we see in theme parks around the world, whether they're Disney or not you can't get much more unique than that. Yeah, I do completely agree. I did try to look at this part through a lens of the park as it is today. And, you know, when you compare it, obviously, if you put it alongside Magic Kingdom, Disneyland Paris example, it does take away the uniqueness in if you just look at it today. So I gave it a four for that. But I think what you said is completely justified and a five is very deserving, I think, for uniqueness. Perfect. So that means that together, Tash and I have given Disneyland in California, the OG, a grand total of 46 points out of a possible 50. That is quite something. I don't know if anything's going to beat that. (laughs) Neither do I. I think we've started quite strong. So it makes sense, I think, for us to now hop just across the road to its neighbour, Disney's California Adventure. So this is the second park that we have in California. There are two parks in Disneyland Resort, and this is the second. So Tash, do you want to kick us off by talking a little bit about the theming and the layout of Disney's California Adventure? Yeah, so theming and layout, I gave I gave it a three, which is which is average. To me, it's a park that is a little bit confused. So I feel I feel like it has improved over recent years that now they're going in a more Pixar heavy direction. Obviously, they've got Pixar Pier and a lot of the rides have been changed to, you know, represent Pixar movies and things like that. But for me personally, I preferred it when it was more California vibes and you walked in and it had that kind of like city walk and that backdrop and the big California letters outside and that little Golden Gate Bridge over the entrance when you walked in. I loved that. I know that it was still quite confused there. So I wish they had kind of decided to see more of it in that kind of style. So yeah, that is for me the main reason why it got an average. Yeah, I gave it a four, which is slightly better rating and sort of good rating. But yeah, I think what you said is is definitely true. I just, for me, I love the theming, thinking about some of those Pixar specific areas. So Pixar Pier, also the Cars Land as well. I think it's some of the best theming that Disney Imagineering have ever created. And yeah, it is in this strange place right now where it's not quite sure whether it's going to stick to its sort of roots and and, and stay Californian based. There are definitely elements of it that have, but then there are also areas that have moved really far away from that. So there is definitely a little bit of confusement there. I can totally see why you gave it a three, but as I said, I gave it a four. The layout as well was something that I was thinking about. And I do like the layout. It is different. And I think that, you know, having that sort of pier that goes around the water is is quite nice. And I liked that. And there is there's a there's a feeling, which obviously will come on in another category as well, but I think the theming really helps to create the magic. So yeah, that's I gave it a four. Fair enough. Okay, so moving on to attractions and entertainment, Mercedes, what did you give? 
So for attractions and entertainment, I was thinking about all of the different things that were there. And there's a lot of big hitters, right? So you've got the Coaster, which was California Screaming. Then you've also got the Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, which was the Tower of Terror. You've got Toy Story Mania. These are some of my favorite attractions of all time. Plus, you've got the world of color in the evening for your entertainment. So I actually gave it a five for attractions and entertainment. That's fair enough. I, for pretty much the same reasons, but I gave it a four again, given that I haven't been in such a long time. I don't know what their night entertainment is like at the moment. And when I last went, they had some parades, but they weren't kind of the same level as what you would find in the Disneyland park. So I kind of based it on that. But yeah, as you said, some really solid attractions there. So yeah, World of Colour, my second favourite Disney show after Fantasmic. So that's why I gave it a four. Perfect. So moving on to guest service and experience. So again, this is that category that's that kind of, what's the French word? Je ne sais quoi. Um, That magic feeling of, I just really want to be there and it just makes me feel special. And for California Adventure, I gave it a four. The guest service in California Adventure is amazing because it's Disneyland Resort. So it's that real sort of North American warm customer service that you expect. So that's fantastic. It does have a feeling of magic, especially in the evenings. I'm thinking about that Cars Land. I'm thinking about sitting in the Pixar Lounge, the Lamplight Lounge, I think it's called, having a cocktail and looking out at the world of colour. There is definitely a ambiance in that park and a special magical feeling, but it's not as strong as some of the other parks, which is why I gave it a four. Yeah, I also gave it a four for pretty much the exact same reasons. It is still a very magical place, but I don't quite get that same level as magic as I do when I step into Disneyland. So that's why I took it down one mark. And then moving on to food, I gave it a four pretty much for the same reasons as what I said about Disneyland. Again, I based a lot of it of when you came back, Mercedes, and you talking about the food and wine festival that they had there. And yeah, there's a lot of food there now that I would be dying to try. But again, my last experience of going to California Adventure, nothing really stood out for me. So that's why I gave it a four. Yeah, I gave it a five and it's for the reasons that you just touched upon. So as I say, I was very lucky that it was food and wine when I went in March in 2019. I mean, food and wine is just my favorite Disney event of all time. Obviously, if you haven't realized by now, I am a huge foodie and snacks are my one true passion so being able to walk around Disneyland and having these like one of a kind delicious tasty treats is just like my two favorite things blended so you're never gonna be anything for me when it comes to special events and stuff than food and wine so you know some specific highlights that I can think of that aren't just from food and wine are Senor Buzz's churros which you can get different flavored churros they have like a Mexican spice kind of churro that's red and I think it's like cinnamon really delicious then they've also got the angry dogs as well so this is from anger from inside out and he has a hot dog stand and then there's like different types of mustard and that the heat goes up with the intensity so there's like angry annoyed and then like furious is like really spicy I really love the theming and think that that's really clever as well and then you've also got like the cozy cone motel so you can get like the chili cones there's lots of iconic food for me in Disney's California Adventure not just the food and wine so yeah it had to be a five 
Yeah, I think that's very, very fair. And then moving on to the final category, uniqueness. So for uniqueness, I gave it a four. I do think it is a very unique park in terms of, you know, Pixar Pier and where it leads around that lake. We don't really see that at any other Disney park, maybe one that we'll be talking about later. But yeah, I think that that is very, very iconic. The way you have that massive Ferris wheel, whatever it's called, the Pixar pal around. I think that is so iconic for that park that that gives that really unique thing. The Incredicoaster is certainly unique. Cars Land, Pacific Wharf, where you've got your bars and things like that. I think it is quite a unique park. So for me, it's a four. Yeah, for me with uniqueness, I gave it a four as well. And the reason being, it is unique. And the Californian theme that it opened with is definitely unique. I mean, it wouldn't work in any other park, obviously. But I feel like the Pixar additions that they're adding, whilst I don't mind them, and I think for the majority of fans, they are seen as an improvement, because I know a lot of people didn't like the park when it first opened. They're making it less unique because... You know, it's like you might as well just open Toy Story Land next because everyone's getting a Toy Story Land. It is kind of ruining that 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 Californian theme that was there. So I've marked it down slightly because of that and given it a four. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. So grand total for California Adventure, we've given it 41 out of 50. That's actually quite high. Yeah, I... I mean, yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of where the others fare in yeah. relation. So, um, yeah, stay tuned. So moving away from California, let's head over to one of the other most popular parks and the second park created, the Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World. And obviously there's a lot of parks to talk about when it comes to Florida. So kicking off with Magic Kingdom, theming and layout, I gave it a five, pretty much for the same reasons as I gave Disneyland a five. I love the theming. I loved all the themed lands. I think it's laid out very, very well. When I went there in February last year, my first time there, had never been to Florida before, and I have a terrible sense of direction. It's really, really abysmal. I'm the sort of person who goes into a shop one way and comes out and starts walking the way I've just come. But I found it so easy to navigate, and because I know the other parks, I found it very, very quick and easy to kind of come to terms with that layout. And it very much does follow, you know, sort of Disneyland. It's a little bit different, but yeah, that's why it's got a five for me. Yeah, I completely agree with that as well. And, you know, when we've spoken about each of the different parks and things on the podcast in the past, we always say that Walt Disney World was really Walt's opportunity to better what he'd done at California. And I do think that, you know, we've got the addition of of larger lands and obviously in more recent years, we've got things like New Fantasyland and stuff like that, which I think the theming of is, is fantastic. If you say oh, you know, I'm going to Disneyland, I'm going to Fantasyland to somebody now who's never been, they're probably going to expect to see princesses and things rather than Dumbo and Pinocchio. That's not what I think of when I think of Fantasyland. And so I think the fact that Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom has kept up to date and so on, you can't give it anything other than a five because it's just, a, you know, a, an even more developed version of, of Disneyland's original park. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. And then moving on to attractions and entertainment, I gave it a four, which now I feel maybe that was a little bit harsh, but the reason I took it down a mark is because in comparison to some of the other parks, it doesn't have my favourite version of anything. So it doesn't have my favourite version of, say, Haunted Mansion, of Pirates of the Caribbean, etc. So that's the only reason I took it down to a four. 
Yeah, I did the same as well, actually. I gave it a four. We're really aligned. It's got all the classics, but none of them are the original and none of them are really unique. It doesn't have like a unique version of the Haunted Mansion and like the Big Thunder Mountains, not my favorite, like you were just explaining, Tash. I guess there's New Fantasyland, but even there, you know, it's the first ever park to get something like the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, but we now see that in Shanghai as well. And also that's not one of the best attractions. So it's kind of none and void. Obviously it's getting Tron, which I think will really help as well. But then I was thinking about entertainment and, you know, Disneyland's got Fantasmic, for example, and all they have really at the Magic Kingdom is like your traditional fireworks and parade and stuff, which is still awesome, but I had to mark it down because of that. So I gave it a four. Yeah, I think that's completely fair enough. And then guest service and experience, for me, it's a five, no question. You ultimately get that magic as soon as you walk in those gates. Again, customer service in America is outstanding, and particularly in Walt Disney World in Florida in the Magic Kingdom. And there were so many times when I was there where you would see cast members kind of interacting with young children. There was a woman, I can't remember what queue we were riding, waiting for, but she had this little magic trick up her sleeve that she was doing to this little boy in front of us. And it was like... You don't go to many places or theme parks where like cast members just walk around prepared with stuff to entertain their guests. So for me, it's absolutely a five. Yeah, I'm completely on the same wavelength with you here, Tash. I also gave it a five. And, you know, that that experience that you just shared, I mean, I have one that's similar and that was a guy that was, you know, he seemed to just be a cleaner mopping the floor and then he created this masterpiece of Mickey and Minnie and those kind of little special moments. You don't really see that, unfortunately, in, in the parks outside of the US. So, yeah, I think for me... Magic Kingdom, whilst Disneyland's got the edge because it's the original and it's Walt's original park and he went there and he lived there and so on. I do I do think that the Magic Kingdom is an even better version. So it has to have a five when it comes to the overall experience. Yeah, but definitely. And then moving on to food, Mercedes, you love food so much. What did you give it? So I actually gave it a four for food. I think the food at the Magic Kingdom is amazing. I mean, it was where I first tried Dole Whip. It's where I think of Dole Whip coming from, Adventureland in the Magic Kingdom. And it does have some restaurants that I love. I mean, Cinderella's Royal Table is probably my favorite Disney restaurant anywhere in the world. But there's nothing that's like super... Uh, there are there are other parks, I guess, that I think are better when it comes to food. I would love to give everybody a five, but that's not how this game works. So I, I, I guess I've just marked it down slightly because I think there are other parks in Orlando that do a better job of food. Yeah, I think that's fair. I gave it a four for food. Again, I loved some of their snack options there. Things like Sleepy Hollow, Bakery Bits, like... I really enjoyed the snacks and things that I had at Magic Kingdom, but in terms of actual meals, I didn't really get a chance to try any kind of sit-down meals. A lot of us was kind of quick dining, and that was very bog standard, you know, Casey's Corner. So nothing really unique or to write home about. For that's that's why I gave it a four. Oh, and you just mentioned unique there. So let's move on to the final category, which is of course uniqueness. I was potentially a little bit harsh when it came to uniqueness. I've actually given the Magic Kingdom a two, which means needs improvement. And the reason being, it is a carbon copy of Disneyland. So yes, okay, there are some new additions that they built, things like Liberty Square, 
But ultimately, it's not very unique. It is a better version of arguably the original park. But I think that there was a real opportunity there for them to expand on that and maybe create different themed lands. But they didn't. They they copied the Disneyland park that, that Walt had devised. So, yeah, I gave it a two. Yeah, we're very aligned there. I also gave it a two for the exact same reasons, as you say, nothing there apart from Liberty Square and, you know, the Hall of Presidents, things like that. Nothing there is particularly unique. So it's a two from me. So that means, and I can't believe I'm saying this, we gave the Magic Kingdom a 40. So we've actually ranked the Magic Kingdom as being worse than California Adventure. See, this... This is where this system is so good because it's like when we did the princesses and I think we had Mulan as number three and neither of us would consider her to be our favourite princess. And, you know, you talk all the time about how Walt Disney World, I know that includes four parks and as a resort as a whole, is the best, you know, resort in the world. But it's interesting when you actually look at it in terms of individual parks, where these places are going to rank. Absolutely. But yeah, I would never have thought that California Adventure would rank better than Magic Kingdom. But I personally actually would have thought that because I always say that California Adventure is my favourite park. But apparently that's not a commonplace opinion in the Disney community. So I try and keep that one to myself as much as I can. So let's move on to the second of the Floridian parks. And that is, of course, Epcot. So Tash, you went there the most recently. What did you rank it for theming and layout? I gave it a five. I love Epcot. I mean, There are some issues with the theming. I do think that, you know, the world showcase is completely separate to whatever future world, East and future world, West, whatever they're called. But that aside, I just think the world showcase is so fantastic and so well done. And I love the layout. I love that it's completely all around that lake. I guess the only thing that is, I could probably take it down a mark in terms of layout is that once, you know, if you want to just nip across to... I don't know what's in the middle, America, for example, the American Pavilion. You have to go all the way round through the rest of the world showcase. You can't just nip across to it. So I guess in terms of that, you could maybe take it down for layout a little bit. But no, I gave it a five. I gave it a four and I did mark it down, but for a different reason. I marked it down because of Future World. I think that the theming there is really poor. And like, I know it's meant to be educational, but you don't go to a theme park for education. And I'd rather be educated with the different foods of the world in the world showcase than with like that awful attraction. Like all of them are not, not my favorite, but I was thinking about that figment attraction specifically there. And, you know, there's also the lands as well, which, you know, it's got soaring, but yeah, I don't know the seas as well with Nemo and friends. Like all of that to me is forgettable. When I think about Epcot, I think about the World Showcase pretty much exclusively. So yeah, I marked it down for everything else. I think that's completely fair. I think I got a little bit too overcome with my passion for the World Showcase when I was scoring that. And then in terms of attractions and entertainment, I gave it a four. So this is where I was more looking at those attractions in Future World and you know living with the land and things like that. Figment. I don't think they really work being in that park. I think they do need to update it and make it a bit more cohesive throughout the whole park. But for me, the world showcase, that is Epcot, as you say, Mercedes. And I think that is executed so perfectly. I love the world showcase so much. So that's why it's still ranked highly as a four for me. 
I gave it a three, which is average, because when I was actually trying to think what attractions I like in Epcot, there's Soaring and then there's the Frozen attraction, which I actually still haven't been on, but I've been on Maelstrom, so I know basically what it is. That's it. Like, Test Track's not a favourite of mine. Mission Space makes my sister sick. Like, I, I honestly was sat there like, am I forgetting something? Is there an attraction that I'm forgetting about? No, they're soaring and frozen and that is it. I couldn't give it anything more than a three. <laughs> yeah, no, see, I, I see where you're coming from. So I did think that initially, but then I was trying to think of the World Showcase as an attraction in its own way because actual physical rides are so limited there. So that's why I gave it one up and gave it a four, thinking of how great the World Showcase is if you class that as an attraction. I don't class that as an attraction, which brings us on to our next category. So guest service and experience, I was thinking about the World Showcase and I gave it a five for that category. So maybe it will all balance out at the end. But I gave it a five. I think one of the biggest reasons that I think the guest experience and the service and everything is so good at Epcot and something that I love about it personally is the fact that you've got all those different international cast members working in the world showcase and I know that obviously right now in the pandemic that's not the case because people can't get work visas to go and be a cast member of the world showcase and I think that's terribly sad I can't imagine going into the German pavilion and you know you've got Kerry from Michigan serving you rather than I don't know Helen from Berlin so I just I love that I love the authenticity that it brings and you know we talk about that magical feeling there is nothing more magical than walking around the world showcase sipping a beer or a margarita or whatever it is and I just had to give it a five I gave it a four. Again, I completely agree with everything that you said, but for me, it doesn't quite have that magic edge that you get from the Magic Kingdom or from Disneyland. So that's why it's a four for me. And then moving on to food, I gave it a very strong five. What is not to love at Epcot? You know, you want something German, you go to Germany, you want Chinese, you go to China, you want sushi, you go to Japan. Like, there is something there for everyone, whether it's snacks, whether it's sit down dining, you can drink alcohol, you can drink around the world, which is something Benji and I did when we went, you know, beers, wines, cocktails, the list is absolutely endless. And it's all very good quality food. So for me, it's definitely a five. A hundred percent. Epcot is the birthplace of the Disney Food and Wine Festival. It's the first ever location to have a food and wine festival. And we have spoken about how much I love the food and wine festival. So how could Epcot get anything other than a five when it comes to food? But there are permanent fixtures as well at Epcot. La Celia is arguably the best Disney restaurant anywhere in the world it gets the best reviews you've also got the disney princess dining experience in in the ocker house i think it is there's a frozen experience for dining now as well in norway i believe or at least there was pre-pandemic there really is something for everybody as you said tash and epcot is also the birthplace of the glazed nuts that my dad and i spent about half an hour trying to track down because we just had to have whatever that delicious caramelized smell was that we could smell so yeah I don't think it gets much better than Epcot food no definitely not and then finally uniqueness again it's a five from me I think Epcot is a very completely unique park obviously we've got that iconic spaceship earth which we just associate with Epcot and then the world showcase I have not been to any other theme park where there is anything even remotely like that 
And I think it's very different for a theme park. So for me, yeah, it's completely unique. It's a five. I have actually been to a park that has something resembling the World Showcase. Obviously, it's nowhere near as good. But Porta Ventura in Spain, which is Universal's European theme park, they're split by country. So there's like a China section and a Mexico section. You can get like noodles in the China beer. And the attractions are actually themed for the lands as well. So there's like a Chinese dragon roller coaster that's like really amazing. Can't remember what it's called. That's how amazing it is. But that said, I have given Epcot a five, a very strong five. I think that when you look at it in the, re- you know, the lineup of the rest of the Disney parks, it's completely unique. It was the most unique park to exist you know at at that point when it was built in the 80s there was nothing quite like it they took a chance they took Walt Disney's vision for you know his prototype community of tomorrow and they they built this theme park instead and no it's not what Walt had set out to to build but it works just as well and yeah it had to have a five so with all of those scores in mind that means that we have given Epcot a grand total of 45 so putting it just behind Disneyland in California interesting okay I'm not too surprised by that that it's ranked so highly but yeah very interesting so moving on to our next Florida park and it is Hollywood Studios so for theming and layout I gave it a three in my opinion it is the worst I don't want to say worst because that sounds really negative but it's it's If I had to rank them one to four, it's in fourth place for me when you compare it to the other four parks in Walt Disney World. For me, again, it's it's kind of that similar thing with California Adventure. The theming is a bit all over the place. We've got Toy Story Land. We've got Galaxy's Edge, which obviously is amazing and awesome. And then we've got the rest of it, which is kind of like, you know, that Sunset Boulevard, American kind of feel. So for me, yeah, it's, it's a three. And I didn't find it that easy to navigate as well. I don't know if it's just because... I'm so used to, you know, the main Disneyland park and them always being sort of the same. But with Hollywood Studios, yeah, for me, it wasn't the easiest to navigate. Yeah, I gave it a three as well. I was actually going to give it a two. So needs improvement because I think it's really lost its original theme. Obviously, it was kind of, I guess, a little bit of a copy of what Universal Studios had been doing in Hollywood in terms of having like his tram tour and your Hollywood Tower Hotel and the Tinseltown Great Movie Ride and that kind of stuff. But now that the Great Movie Ride's been replaced with Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Mine Train and the Sorcerer's Hat's gone and the Eiffel Tower's gone, it's really lost its direction and its theme, I feel. The only reason I gave it a three was because of Galaxy's Edge. The theming for Galaxy's Edge is unlike anything. You know, it's I would say it's the most comprehensive immersive area for a Disney park that I've ever seen and haven't even been yet and I'm that excited about it so yeah I gave it a three because of Galaxy's Edge yeah I think that's very well said and then attractions and entertainment I gave it a four there's some really great attractions in that park obviously we've got Tower of Terror we've got the rides in Galaxy's Edge so we've got Rise Against Resistance and the Millennium Falcon Smugglers Run ride which again two very unique attractions to that area we've also got things like the Rock and Roller Coaster which we don't have in Paris anymore so yeah some really good thrill seeker rides in that park so for me it's a four yeah, I gave it a five. Again, I was thinking about Galaxy's Edge, so Rise of the Resistance, Smuggler's Run, that all came into it. Plus, you've got Star Tours as well, and you've got the Tower of Terror attraction, and you've got Fantasmic as well. 
I did give it a five. I think that some, well, I would say my favorite attractions in Walt Disney World are in that park. Tower of Terror and Star Tours are probably two of my favorites. I haven't done Rise of the Resistance yet, but I have watched it on YouTube and I've never seen anything like it. I would say it could possibly be a contender for that Pirates of the Caribbean attraction in Shanghai that Tash and I talk about all the time. It looks sensational. So I had to take that into consideration as well. So I gave it a five. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. And then guest service and experience, I gave it a four. Again, as we've said with all the American parks, you don't ever receive anything that's subpar in any of them. Guest service is, you know, without question, always fantastic. For me, I marked it down one again because it doesn't quite have that magic that you get when you go into the main park. Yeah, I gave it a three. I gave it an average because the guest service is sensational it's Orlando it's a Disney park in the US as I've said the guest service is going to be great but it doesn't have that magical feeling or at least it didn't have it when I last went I don't know if Galaxy's Edge changes that at all I can imagine being in Galaxy's Edge being a really amazing feeling but I haven't experienced it myself so I can only go on my gut and the last time that I was at Hollywood Studios and I would give it a three Yeah, I think that's fair enough. And then moving on to food. Again, I gave it another four. We're getting a lot of fours here for Hollywood Studios. Um, The reason I marked it down slightly is because there was a bit of a lack of veggie options when we were there and the veggie meal that I did have at the Sci-Fi Diner. It was a falafel burger and it was very dry, so not the best. But I did really enjoy some of the treats on offer from Woody's Lunchbox. The tochos, I didn't have them because they had meat, but Benji ranted and raved about how good they were. And the Woody's lunchbox tarts as well. Like, oh, I could eat them every day. I really, really enjoyed them. So that's why it's a good strong four for me. Yeah, I also gave it a four as well for food. And, you know, there are lots of really awesome places to eat in Hollywood Studios. You've got the sci-fi dining theatre that you spoke about, also 50s prime time as well. So there's lots of like sit down restaurants, but I think the snacks are really good at Hollywood Studios as well. Obviously, the birthplace of the carrot cake cookie, which is no more, or at least the recipes changed. That makes me sad. And I really like that marketplace, the area that they have as well, that's near the Tower of Terror, where you can get like fresh lemonade and things. I think that's quite different. It's quite nice to see fruit and veg when you're in Orlando because there's not very much of it. So yeah, I gave it four. It's not the best Disney food that I've ever had, but it's it's good. Yeah, I think that's fair. And then finally, for uniqueness. I gave it a three. I mean, I know things like Galaxy's Edge, it was the first one to open. So it's very unique in that way, but it's not the only one. And I feel like, yeah, it kind of feels like for me, it's got an edge of the, or an air of the California adventure about it in terms of that whole kind of Sunset Boulevard area, if that's what it's called in Hollywood Studios. Yeah, there wasn't anything really unique for me, I didn't think. So it's an average. It actually wasn't the first Galaxy's Edge. The first Galaxy's Edge was Disneyland. Oh, was it? I thought it was the Florida one. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, it opened like a month after I got back, which was really annoying. But yeah, yeah, no, Disneyland opened first. We just assumed that Florida get everything first. I actually gave it a four for uniqueness. I think it is very unique. There's nothing quite like it. That's not a bad thing necessarily, or there that's not a good thing I should say I I don't think that I would want any of the other Disney parks to be like Hollywood Studios it is very confused but I don't I don't think it is like anything else so in terms of how unique is it I think it's very unique so I gave it a four 
<laughs> that is fair enough. So that brings our grand total for Hollywood Studios to 37, which is our lowest ranking park so far, which I think was to be expected. Yeah, I don't think that either of us are surprised by that. So let's move on to the final park in Walt Disney World in Orlando. And it is, of course, Disney's Animal Kingdom that opened in 1998. So starting off with theming and layout, I've given it a strong four. It follows that traditional hub and spoke design that we're so accustomed with Disneyland. Very easy to navigate. I love the theming. I love that you've got the different areas that are based on the different continents. Dinoland USA less so, which is perhaps why I've not given it a five, but I do think it's a very strong theme and the layout layout is very easy to navigate. I gave it a five out of five. I think the theming is fantastic. I love the way that they've done the area of Africa and then you've got the Asia area and Pandora. I think that it's all, I mean, I guess the only negative thing I could say here is that I feel Pandora does not really fit in with, you know, the kind of Asia and African element of it but then when I look at that land on its own and how it's themed it's themed very well and executed very well so yeah I mean I'd probably give this one a 4.5 but I've given it a five so we'll stick with five nice and then moving on to attractions and entertainment I was going to be really harsh here and I was actually going to give it a three the reason being when I last went to Disney's Animal Kingdom, the only attractions that I like really loved and enjoyed were Expedition Everest, obviously the safari, and also the dinosaur attraction. And that was kind of it. The reason that I have given it a four is because of Pandora. I obviously haven't been on Flight of Passage, but me being me, obviously I've watched it on YouTube so I can see exactly what it involves. And of course the Navi River Journey as well. And I guess the Safari, all right, is one attraction, but it is very unique. There's nothing quite like it. But yeah, I've given it, I've given it a four because I think there are strong attractions there, but there's just not very many of them. Yeah, see, I agree with you on that. I've given it a five because I agree there isn't many attractions there, but I think with that safari, it kind of gets away with it. It doesn't need lots. Like to me, when you go to Animal Kingdom, you go to that safari, you go for that safari and anything else is kind of an extra. And yeah, as you say, Flight of Passage, easily one of the best rides Disney have ever created. It's so, it's just amazing that ride. And that whole area is fantastic. Expedition Everest was probably... I would say my favorite ride out of any of the new any of the parks in Walt Disney World. I just love the whole animal element to it. I really like that little bird show that they have that is themed around up. So yeah, for me it was a strong five. You just blasphemed Tash. What did I say? You said that Flight of Passage was the best Disney attraction that Disney have ever made. Do you actually think that? No, I don't think that. Okay. <laughs> it is very very good. But it's not, no, it's not. It's not as good as what we'll talk about when we come on to it. But it's very clever and it's very well done. Awesome. Yeah, as I say, I'm really keen to get on Rise of the Resistance because I feel like that could be a contender, but I still don't think it could be the top attraction, which obviously we will talk about in a little bit. So for me, moving on to guest service and experience, I gave Animal Kingdom a four. Again, it's in Orlando. So you get that fantastic American, brilliant customer service that we all know and love. The reason I marked it down slightly and gave it a four was because when we're talking about this kind of Disney magic, I don't quite feel it at Animal Kingdom and I don't know why. And if my sister's listening, she'll be furious because Animal Kingdom is her favorite Disney park anywhere ever she absolutely loves it but for me 
there's just some it kind of does feel a little bit safari park a little bit zoo and it's just a feeling that I have it's not based on anything but I just couldn't quite bring myself to give it a five yeah I agree I've given it a four or a four as well again as I keep saying for every single park that's not a castle park it doesn't quite hit that same level as magic for me I do really like that you get a lot of kind of street entertainment there. So like in Africa, you get people standing around playing instruments and things like that. And that really adds to the atmosphere and the experience of it. But yeah, for me, it's a four too. Yeah, I, I I agree with everything that you said. So let's move on to food. So the food at Animal Kingdom, I actually can't remember that well. And I'm not sure why that is I remember going to the Rainforest Cafe there and it not being very good the Disney Springs version was a lot better but I know just in recent years that the snacks and the vegetarian options and everything that people rave about in Animal Kingdom are you know yeah really popular in the community so I have given it a four but very strange that I've sort of repressed the menu of Animal Kingdom from my mind I gave it a five purely for the reason that it was the place where there were the most veggie options. I had a great mac and cheese there. I had that veggie tikka masala, which I made for you when we did be our guest last year, Mercedes, which was amazing. Loads of good snacks. You still got your classic things like your Dole Whip. Loads of veggie options from, I think it's the Satuli Cantina in Pandora. So yeah, for me personally, it's a strong five. And then finally, moving on to uniqueness. Again, for me, it's a five. I've never been anywhere like Animal Kingdom. I've been to places like Longleat, the safari parks, but you cannot compare them to somewhere like Animal Kingdom. It's got the safari, it's got attractions, great dining options, shows. It's amazing. It's a five. Yeah, me too. I forgot as well with shows. I forgot about Finding Dory, Finding Nemo, the musical. Finding Nemo the Musical, yes, of course. Very, very unique to that park. Yeah, yeah. No, I gave it a five for uniqueness as well, which means that Animal Kingdom has a grand total of 45, which means that so far it's in joint second place with Epcot. Okay, interesting. Mm, Okay, I like that. So now we're moving way, way across the pond and we're moving to a park that... I have been to once and Mercedes hasn't been to. So this is going to be based on our very limited experience of this park and what we see on social media and read in terms of reviews and things like that. So theming and layout for Tokyo Disneyland, I gave it again a three. It follows that classic theming and layout that all the castle parks do. So yeah, there's not really much more that I I would add to that. I have also given it a three. My knowledge of this park is limited. It's a traditional Disney park, so I gave it an average rating. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. And then for attractions and entertainment, I gave it a four. I took it down because I love a lot of those classic attractions, but it doesn't have anything that's really particularly unique. But the reason I gave it a four and marked it as good instead of an average is that it does have that really amazing Monsters Inc. ride and an incredible Winnie the Pooh ride as well, which are quite unique to that park. So that's why it got a four for me. Again, I gave it an average rating. I don't think that Winnie the Pooh and Monsters Inc. can rival some of the other amazing attractions we've spoken about today. So it's a a three from me. Yep, I think that's completely fair. And then guest service and experience. For me, it was a two. Now, obviously, it's a castle park. So you expect to have that element of magic when you walk in. And I did visit this park on my own. So I think that might be slightly warped by the fact that I was there solo. 
But for me, I didn't quite get it as much as I do as when I've been to the other castle parks. And then in terms of guest service, like not to be offensive at all, but I feel like people in Japan are quite reserved when it comes to customer service. So they're not rude like they are in uh, another park we'll talk about shortly, but they're also not sort of overly friendly and welcoming and giving. So for me, it was very much like they were just kind of there serving a purpose. And I really hope that doesn't sound offensive. And I'm sure that lots of people have been to Tokyo Disneyland and had magic created for them and had a really positive, you know, interactions with stuff. But me personally, I didn't get that. So it's a two. Yeah, I gave it a three, which is an average. And the reason being, I know that the guest service in Japan is not going to be the same as it is in the USA. As I've said, the USA Disney cast members do just go above and beyond because that's what American customer service is all about. And it's not like that here in Europe and it's not like that in Asia. Um, The reason that I gave it a three rather than a one or a two is because I know that so many people say that Tokyo Disneyland is their favorite resort. And so it must have some kind of magical feeling about it. So that's why I gave it a three. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. And then moving on to food, I gave it a three again, which is an average. I'm not particularly big into Japanese cuisine. Having said that, there are a lot of American offerings on offer in Tokyo Disneyland, but I do feel like they could be a bit more unique and kind of make it more Japanese do things like Mickey shaped sushi and things like that. Wouldn't that be cool? But we don't really get any of that. We do get some unique options. They are the little green aliens from Toy Story. We get them as dumplings, which is very cool. A lot of images of them flying around on social media. When I went, I had a burger that was shaped like Mickey's hand. They do Mickey shaped churros. So there are some really cool bits there, but it's not quite on the level as America for me. Yeah, I actually gave it a four because I have seen some like insane things on social media from this park. So the green alien dumplings that you mentioned. I've also seen like Mickey Mouse shaped eggs and things. There's like potato churros. And then there's also this like pizza spring rolls that we get in Walt Disney World. I feel like they have those there. And have you ever seen that Mike Wazowski melon bread as well? Yes, I think did they do, I can't remember if they did that in Shanghai or not. I think they might have done. But it's yeah. Like green. Yeah. 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 So I, I actually gave it a four because I've seen some really unique offerings from Disneyland Tokyo and I love Japanese food, like sushi, dumplings. I, if you haven't guessed already, I just love Asian food. But yeah, I, I love Japanese food and the food looks fantastic. Obviously, this is just from what I've seen online, it could taste awful, but based on appearances, it's a four. And then finally, moving on to uniqueness, I gave it a two um, for Tokyo Disneyland. As I said, apart from that Monsters Inc. and the Winnie the Pooh ride, which we do have versions of in other parts, it's not a unique park at all. It's very similar to the other castle parks. All the attractions pretty much are on the same level. So yeah, for me, it's a two. I also gave it a two. I gave the Magic Kingdom a two. And again, for the same reason that Tash just said, because it's the same as what we see elsewhere in the world. So that means that Tokyo Disneyland has a grand total of 29, which is by far our lowest score to date. And I'm actually quite surprised about that. Oh, yeah, that's that is quite low. I feel I feel a bit bad. It is it is good, but it's mm, I don't know. I feel like we'll pick it up with this next park more when it comes to Tokyo. So of course I'm talking about Tokyo Disney Sea, which a lot of people do say is the best Disney park, and it is a very, very fantastic park. So theming and layout, I gave it a five. 
I love the theming for Tokyo Disney Sea. I think that the way that they've kind of created this whole park around the theme of water and you have things like the American waterfront and then you have the area around the big lake in the middle, which is where you have Fantasmic. And it is all themed very, very well. And I think in terms of things like merchandise, that's themed very heavily to it. You always see Mickey and Minnie in like their little sailing outfits and things like that. And then in terms of the layout, I love that it is based around that sort of lake in the middle where you've got the big volcano, which is really different to anything else. So yeah, strong five from me. Yeah, I also gave it a five as well. And I can't believe it took me as long as it did to realise Disneyland, Disney Sea. And yeah, I think it's a really good idea it's funny that the way that we write Disney Sea, like we capitalized the S for C, but then with Disneyland, it's just one word. But for some reason, Disney Sea is kind of two words meshed together. I don't know why that is, but there we are. I'm thinking too much about it. It's a five from me. So let's move on to attractions and entertainment. And I actually just gave it a three for attractions and entertainment. And the reason being, although lots of people talk about it being the best Disney park of all time, I, I can only name like one attraction, which is the Princess Jasmine's Flying Carpets. No one actually ever talks about, you know, it's not like Mystic Manor in Hong Kong where everyone talks about it the whole time. There's nothing differentiating about Tokyo Disney Sea. And maybe you'll list off a load of names now, Tash, and I'll go, oh, yeah, but uh, there's not one singular attraction from this park that I've heard people rave about. So it's a three. Yeah, that's fair enough. So for attractions, I gave it a four. So it has things like Toy Story Mania and it has Tower of Terror there. And then they do have some quite unique things as well. So they've got Soaring there as well, actually. They have, I forget for the life of me the name of it, but they have got a roller coaster, which does go upside down, which I feel like you don't really get that in many Disney parks. So I quite like that. They've also got things like gondola rides and random little things like that boats you can go on trains the finding nemo 3d ride there is really good they also have a unique ride which a lot of people compare to small world which is called it's something like the voyage of sinbad or something which i didn't really rate that highly but a lot of people like it so yeah there's some good stuff going on there and then they do have phantasmic there as well it's not on the scale as california which is the best show but yeah if me i gave attractions and entertainment a four and then moving on to guest service and experience again it's got a two the same as Tokyo Disneyland for the reasons I previously gave and I gave it a three for the reasons I previously gave and food I gave a four for the reasons I previously gave as well (laughs) yep and for food I gave a three for the reasons I previously gave as well so I guess that leaves the last category which is uniqueness and for me again without a doubt it's a five it's a completely unique park as I say Tokyo Disney Sea as Mercedes said Disneyland Disney Sea very different very well themed around the whole sea thing there are those unique attractions that I was just speaking about the Sinbad thing that upside down roller coaster is really killing me what it's called I guess you have to say that there's a lot of stuff to do with Duffy there which isn't particularly unique anymore but was at the time he has his own show there he's got a very big presence and I just feel like the whole vibe of Tokyo Disney Sea is very unique Yeah, I completely agree. And I gave it a five as well. So that means that Tokyo Disney Sea has a grand total of 39, which means that it's sandwiched right in between the Magic Kingdom and Hollywood Studios. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a good, worthy place to be. 
So moving on next to a park we both know and love, and it is our most local park, I would say, and it is Disneyland Paris. So theming and layout, for me, I gave a five. It's a classic Disney park. Again, I gave Disneyland, I gave Magic Kingdom both fives as well. So yeah, for me, a good five. Yeah, I gave it a five too. I actually think, you know, we always talk about how they were on a mission. Eisner was on a mission to make Disneyland Paris the most beautiful park. And I really do think that they achieved that. I love just walking around Fantasyland. I love the way that Fantasyland cleverly interweaves Peter Pan's flight with Captain Hook's ship next door in Adventureland. I think that's really clever. And I think there's just a lot more consideration and thought that's gone into the layout, which I really appreciate. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. And then I've given a five again for attractions and entertainment and not thinking so much about the shows, although I do really enjoy their current parade and their nighttime show. But for me, when I think of Disneyland Paris, although a lot of the attractions you do find in other parks, it's got my favourite versions of everything. It's my favourite Haunted Mansion. Well, Phantom Manor there. It's my favourite Big Thunder Mountain. And it's my favourite... Um, Space Mountain as well because it's Hyperspace Mountain there isn't it now so yeah three big rides three of my favourite versions at this park it had to be a five yeah I gave it a four because I think there are other parks that have more of my favourite attractions in Star Tours is one of my favourites and it has that and I completely agree with you Tash for me it's got the best Big Thunder Mountain it's got the best Haunted Mansion Phantom Manor the best Space Mountain if we exclude Shanghai which basically has you know a 2.0 version of Pirates of the Caribbean it's the best Pirates of the Caribbean as well it's much better than the version in Walt Disney World and also the version in Disneyland so yeah I completely agree it's a lot of duplicates but a lot of best versions so I did give it a four yeah I think that's fair and then Guest service and experience is a tricky one. So for me, my initial reaction was to mark it down because, you know, obviously I've not been to Disneyland Paris many, many times, but you don't always hear, I don't think necessarily, you know, outstanding reviews of the service you receive there. But then I thought back to our trip last year and how many moments of magic we received And that is definitely more so than I've ever received in any other park. So now I feel a bit harsh with this mark. I've given it a three, which is an average, which I guess kind of maybe averages it out a bit. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I do feel a bit guilty with that now. I think that if you had asked me like 10 years ago, I would have given it a three, but I've given it four because, and I know I'm biased, but ever since the Walt Disney Company purchased Disneyland Paris, I really have seen a difference. And I know I say this all the time, but I really, really have. I mean, I remember going to Disneyland Paris in like 2010 with my uni friends and there were all these Mickey like markers on the ground where you're meant to stand for the parade. And a cast member, genuinely, I'm not exaggerating, was walking along going, not even making eye contact just doing this sort of hand gesture and I remember going I am Derriere Mickey because I was standing behind the Mickey I know Derriere from uh, ballet so yeah take that Disney cast member but yeah I like the Disneyland Paris experience now is 
just nowhere near as bad as that. Like I, I completely agree. We had so many moments of surprise and delight when we went last year. My last few trips have been like that. And as I say, the only thing that I can think is it's because the Walt Disney Company actually own it outright now. So yeah, I gave it a four because it's not the same as the American parks, but I do still think it's really good. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. And then, oh dear, moving on to food. I mean, I've given it a one, which is terrible. And I've got one word for you, that salad. That's two words. But I mean, come on. I know we went in January and a lot of stuff was closed, but they are so limited in their options for vegetarians. Their snacks, the quality, when you look at them on social media, like we went when it was frozen celebration or whatever it was. And we saw some of the pictures of the snacks before and it looked like, you know, a four-year-old could have done a better job. I'm talking about frozen muffins with like two sprinkles on the top of snowflakes and then the rest all pouring down the side. Like just awful. So for me, it's definitely a one. Yeah, food. I mean, I I really like Disneyland Paris. And if they could get their act together when it came to food, it would be one of my favourite Disney parks because I'm so passionate about food. I gave it a two because it's not the worst place that I've ever been to for Disney food, which we'll talk about later. There are some good places to eat at Disneyland Paris in that main part. But my issue with it is that you've got to have the money. So like you could go and do the inventions branch, but actually technically that's not in the park, that's in the hotel. But you could go and eat at Captain Jack's, which even that's not that great, or Waltz, which also is not that great, or Auberge de Cendrillon. That's actually really amazing. And you get to dine with princesses and the food's awesome. But you're looking at like 70, 80 pounds per head for a lunch, which for a family of four is not feasible. So... Is there are good options in Paris, but you've got to spend a lot of money. You've got to order the right thing from the menu and you've got to know all of that in advance. So it's not a one because you can get the odd bit of decent food, but yeah, it's, it needs improvement. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair way to put it. And then in terms of the uniqueness, again, it's a, a three for me. It's, you know, a standard castle park. It does have that edge where it is the most beautiful park, But yeah, for me, in terms of attractions and things like that, there's nothing especially unique about it. For me, and it's quite difficult because obviously I haven't been to Tokyo and Hong Kong, so perhaps it's not unique. But I actually gave it a four because, yes, it is just a traditional Disney park. But there are certain elements of it that, again, there's just a little bit more care and consideration. So like when you think about that Arabian part of Adventureland like in Walt Disney World they have that Arabian part but it doesn't feel very considered it's just it's kind of next to the Jungle Cruise and it's on that that doesn't work like the way that the lands feed into one another I do think is unique and it's my favorite frontier land of anywhere in the world I love the story of Thunder Mesa and the town and then like the Tomorrowland as well Discoveryland and it's all Jules Verne and like it's actually pretty and copper and nice and not horrendous like Magic Kingdom's Tomorrowland which is not very attractive at all so I actually gave it a four because I think it is a little bit more it's just more considered I think yeah I think that's fair I think you made a very good argument there about it definitely being more attractive and again I like the fact that we get that story about you know Thunder Mesa so that that really does add to it so for Disneyland Paris our grand total is 36 so we're just behind Hollywood Studios which really surprises me actually Yeah, I don't think I would have said that Hollywood Studios was better. But again, if you think about the individual components, like the food is way better, there's better attractions. So it does it does all even out in the end. 
yeah, unfortunately, the food really let it down for poor old Disneyland of Paris. And then moving on to Walt Disney Studios. Oh dear, oh dear. I feel like this bug is not going to do too well. Theming and layout, I gave it a one. I feel like that is really harsh. But what what even is the theme of that park? Like, it, it needs improvement desperately. Yeah, I gave it a one as well. I mean, when we went in January last year, half of the park wasn't even open. Like, it's laughable. The only hope that I have for Walt Disney Studios is we are getting a Galaxy's Edge. We are getting an Avengers Campus. We are getting a Frozen Land. When those things are there, it will be amazing. And I do think that some of the new Pixar lands are really good as well. Like, the Ratatouille area is lovely. But... It, it's just there is no theme and the layout is atrocious so you can't get worse than Walt Disney Studios when it comes to theming and layout so it has to have a one yeah I think that's fair and then in terms of attractions and entertainment again I gave it a two maybe that was a little bit harsh when you think about some of the individual attractions obviously we've got that amazing Ratatouille ride Ratatouille the adventure we've got Tower of Terror there we've got Crush's Coaster but apart from those three there's not really many other attractions that I would kind of scream and shout about as being fantastic or unique or, you know, worthy of make it going out of your way to go there for. So that's why I gave it a two. I also think about things like that Frozen show that we saw when we were there and I really didn't rate that that much. So, yeah, sorry, it does need improvement. I went on three attractions when we went there because you all went and did like the baby rides when I was waiting to meet Chewbacca. So I literally went on Ratatouille, the Tower of Terror and Crush's Coaster and we did all of them before 11 o'clock. So it has to have a two. Like it's appalling. And I agree, like I didn't think that Frozen show was that bad. I know that you didn't like it, but even still, it's the worst show I've ever seen at a Disney park. Like, I thought it was okay, but it is, it is, I can't think of a different Disney show that I've watched that's worse. So I gave it needs improvement because the Ratatouille ride is amazing and it's unique and Crush's Coaster is amazing and it's unique and Tower of Terror is probably one of my favourite attractions of all time. Like, it's top five for me. So I did give it a two because the attractions there it has are good, and I actually don't mind that lights motor stunt show as well. <laughs> I think I've seen that. Oh, really? I like didn't watch it for like 10 years because I thought it looked trash. And I actually quite like it. I don't actually think it's open right now. But anyway, yeah, I gave it a two because it should be a one, really. But I think the attractions that it has are good. Yeah, definitely. And then guest service and experience again I gave it a three for pretty much the exact same reasons I gave for Disneyland Paris I gave it a one because Derriere and Mickey happened in Walt Disney Studios and I know that I've said that Disney have taken a huge turn and they have but guest service is half of this category the other is the experience and we said it was that that feeling when you're there of magic and I don't feel anything but stress when I'm there because I'm like God, it's 11 and we've done everything already. Should we go back to the other park? But we want to watch the fireworks here. But if we go to the other park, what are we can do? Oh, we've got a reservation here at five o'clock. So it, it, it's not a, a magical experience. It's a stressed, confused. Again, if, if Walt Disney Studios doesn't get a one for experience, then what does? So it had it had to have a one. I think that's completely fair. And then food, I gave a two. The only reason I rated it slightly higher than Disneyland 
is because of the Ratatouille restaurant, Remy's, I can't remember what it's called, but that is a fantastic restaurant. That chocolate mousse in itself is just oh, amazing. And I don't normally like or eat much fish, but I had a fish dish there with ratatouille and oh my God, it was incredible. So yeah, for me, that picked it up, but only slightly. It still needs a lot of improving. Yeah, Chez Remy, I think is the best restaurant in the entire Disneyland Paris resort. Better than any hotel, better than the other park, better than the Disney village. I think it is the most delicious food. I completely agree with you, Tash. And there's those little kiosks now in that little Parisian area and I thought they were just there for the Christmas season but actually I think they're a permanent fixture now so they're trying to emulate that like food and wine vibe from Epcot and from Disney's California Adventure so that's only going to help with the food situation in Paris I think but yeah I've given it a two as well it should be a one but Remy gave it an extra point yeah and then uniqueness I gave it a two I don't think there's really anything unique about that park at the moment other than it's not very good it does have slight California adventure vibes about it Hollywood studio vibes of course but it's not as good yeah the only thing I will say to defend Walt Disney Studios because someone needs to is that, and perhaps I should have said this when we were talking about theming, but I kind of forgot about it, to be honest. It's called Walt Disney Studios, and the majority of the park, certainly when you first enter, is these large studios that are teal and burgundy. And when I was in California, I actually made Grumpy drive me to Burbank to go to the Walt Disney Studios. I snuck in, security shouted at me and chased me off property. I saw nothing. I saw the dwarves holding the roof, and that was it. But whilst I was walking around outside, I did notice that the fences and things were exactly the same as Walt Disney Studios and the buildings are the same colored green with the same burgundy. The problem with that is, yeah, okay, it's a lovely homage to Walt Disney Studios over in Burbank, but not many guests in Paris are going to appreciate that. I didn't know that. And I'm a huge Disney fan. It took me trying to break into the Burbank Studios to go, oh, this looks like the buildings of Walt Disney Studios. That's what they were trying to do. So yeah, that's just one thing that I wanted to add. But I gave it a three for uniqueness (laughs) because again, I'm like, well, it is unique. You can't argue that it's not unique. It had one of the first ever Toy Story lands. That Parisian Ratatouille area is unique. I've never seen anything like that. That horrendous Armageddon rock and roller coaster confused mashup area was unique. Again, I'm not saying it's good, but it is unique. So I gave it a three. (laughs) Okay, I think that's fair. So what does that bring our grand total to for Walt Disney Studios? So Walt Disney Studios has a grand total, if you can call it that, of 18 points, which puts it very, very solidly as our worst ranked park so far. I believe the runner up at this point is Tokyo Disneyland with 29. So it's it's come in quite a lot lower than Tokyo. Oh dear, that is not good. So I wonder how this next park is going to compare in terms of rankings with Walt Disney Studios. So we are going over to Hong Kong Disneyland. So the theming and layout, I gave it a four. It is obviously a classic castle park, very similar to California in terms of the layout, all the themed lands, etc. The reason I took it down slightly, and I know this is maybe a bit unfair because we are just looking at the park itself, but it is literally just the park. That is it. There's no kind of bit outside. There's no downtown Disney or anything like that. So for me, I did take away a point for that. 
Yeah, I obviously haven't been to Hong Kong Disneyland. So if you feel really passionately about any of these categories, Tash, I'm happy to be swayed either way for a higher or a lower score. But I gave it average when it comes to theming and layout because from our discussions and from the research and from the social media and stuff that I've seen, it just looks like a standard castle park. So let's move on to attractions and entertainment. Again, I gave it an average ranking. As far as I'm aware, the only sort of big e-ticket attraction that people talk about is Mystic Manor. People say it's one of the best Disney attractions they've ever been on, but I'm not sure that that's enough weight to, to push it past a three. So that's why I gave it a three. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that front. I also gave it a three. It does have Mystic Manor, which is fantastic, and also Big Grizzly Mountain, which is kind of akin to Big Thunder Mountain, and it probably is my most favourite version of that ride. But yeah, not quite enough to push it up to a four. I think in terms of the other attractions, they are very much what you would find in any of the other Disney parks. And in terms of entertainment, their parades and things were they were good they were not bad at all but they weren't quite on a level as what you would find with maybe Paris or the American parks yeah absolutely that makes sense and then moving on to guest service and experience I have potentially been a little bit harsh here and I've actually given it one and the reason being I have experienced the guest service in Shanghai Disneyland and I would say it's the worst guest service I've ever experienced at a Disney park But I'm told that Hong Kong is worse than that. And I have a relative who lived in Hong Kong for a period of time. He was a season pass holder for Hong Kong Disneyland. And he always used to call it Third World Disney, which I'm not sure is very politically correct. But there we are. He used to say there was horrendous. And and he was actually from the Philippines as well. He's not a Westerner saying, you know, that it's not up to par. That is his genuine take. Even as as somebody that lives in Asia, he felt that the park was subpar and that the guest service wasn't very good. So I have to take that with good faith and I've given it a one. Yeah, I've I've given it a two. Again, I gave Tokyo, both Tokyo parks a two as well. And it's kind of that same thing. It's not terrible. No one was rude, but it was very much like, you know, cast members work there and serve a purpose. No one kind of went out of their way to make me feel special or like I was having a magical experience. So yeah, for me, it's a two. And then for food, I've been quite harsh here. I've given it a one. There was nothing distinctive about anything that I ate there. I did actually have a little bit of a look at some of the offerings there before I went and there was nothing that really kind of took my fancy. So yeah, for me, it was it was a one. Yeah, I gave it a one also. Again, I've based that on my experience of Shanghai and the fact that people say the food in Hong Kong is is similar to Shanghai. So I gave it a one. And then moving on to the final category, which is uniqueness. I've given it a two, which is the same as what I gave the Magic Kingdom and also Tokyo Disneyland. In my opinion, it's not very unique. It's just a carbon copy of a traditional castle park. Yeah, I gave it a two, which is also for the exact same reasons. So that means that Hong Kong Disneyland has a grand total of 22 points. So it's not our worst ranking park. That award still goes to Walt Disney Studios in Paris, but it's not much better. So let's move on now to our final park, Shanghai Disneyland in China. Tash, what have you ranked Shanghai for theming and layout? I've given it a four. So I know with all the other park, castle parks, I've given them all pretty much a five but with Shanghai 
I have taken it down slightly just because I think it's still got quite a long way to go in terms of what it can do and finding its own theme. The other thing as well is that I had kind of hoped that there would be more sort of Chinese elements to it and it's missing I mean things like the garden of the 12 friends is literally just a walkthrough where you look at some mosaics it is not what I had kind of envisioned so for me that's where it fell slightly so I've given it a four yeah we're really in sync today Tash I gave it a four as well for similar reasons they really overpromised with this park I feel and Disney have a habit of doing this they'll release this amazing concept art and then when you get there you're like, oh, and I think that's why, you know, we talk about the Shanghai Castle a lot and how disappointed I was with that. And it's because the press release was like the largest Disney castle ever before with an attraction and a dinner show and a stage show. And I thought it was going to have like a theatre inside it. I thought the attraction was going to be like a boat ride that went round. Like, and in theory, like, you know, it sounds amazing. But actually, well, the stage show is on the castle stage, which is outside, which is exactly the same as what the Magic Kingdom has. And the attractions are Snow White creepy walk through things so sometimes over promising is damaging like I wonder if we hadn't been expecting this strong Chinese presence if we would be more satisfied with the theming I think because Disney said you know we're not doing Main Street we're doing Mickey Avenue and we've got these gardens of imagination I think it made us as consumers expect more and then when we get there and we're like oh is that it it's like underwhelming. But anyway, regardless, I gave it a four as well. And then moving on to attractions and entertainment, I gave it a four in this category as well. Obviously, it's the world's first Tron, the debut of that attraction. It's a unique attraction. One of the best Disney attractions I've ever been on. It's got the best version of Pirates of the Caribbean. It's got Soaring, which I love Soaring. And I think it's really cool to see a castle park have that attraction. The reason that I marked it down is because it is new. And so there are limited e-ticket attractions in my opinion and also entertainment wise you have your fireworks on the castle but that's kind of it there's no like phantasmic or anything so yeah I gave it the same score as the Magic Kingdom yeah we're aligned again I also gave it a four pretty much for for the same reasons I did take it down for entertainment as well I do really love their parade there Mickey Storybook Express it's definitely one of my favorites but maybe that's just because I'm so familiar with it but when I think about other shows apart from the Tarzan show you've got the Pirates of the Caribbean show Jack Sparrow's whatever I can't remember what it's called um that's okay and then you've got the Frozen sing-along which the less said about that the better so yeah that's where it kind of fell short for me and then moving on to guest service and experience Mercedes why don't you go first what did you give it so I gave it a two and I tried to be as kind as I possibly could here but there is something about Shanghai Disney and I can't explain it it does feel like a Disney park absolutely it does like I was so excited to be there and I loved every moment of my time then I strongly recommend that all of our listeners check it out because it is awesome but there was just something off and I don't know if that was the cast members or if it was the fact that it was new so maybe it just needs a bit more time to find its feet I'm not sure but the cast members the reason I didn't give it a one I gave Hong Kong a one because the cast members being a little bit rude or whatever and Walt Disney Studios for the same reason but Shanghai I gave it a two because I feel like they want to be like the American cast members and be really friendly but 
don't quite know how. And maybe that is really insulting. But every cast member I met, you know, they were wearing a Mickey glove and they would wave and they'd go, hello. And you could tell that they wanted to engage in conversation, but maybe just didn't have any English. And that's not their fault. It's in China. And, you know, 90% of the visitors are going to be Chinese. It makes sense. But for that reason, it did feel a little bit alienating as a Westerner. I Yeah, I gave it a three. I think when you think about customer service in China, it basically does not exist at all. Customer service is not a thing. They are so short and so direct with you when you're in a shop or a restaurant or anywhere. And then when I think about Disneyland, they are really trying. And I had I had a really positive experience with a guy when I was outside Remy's Patisserie once. And I was there on my own. And I just went to get breakfast and like sit and watch the castle. And this lovely cast member called Joshua came over to me and he could see where I was sitting. And he was like, oh, you haven't got the best view of the castle there. And he went out of his way to find which table had the best view. And then he literally picked up my tray and moved it for me. And he was like, sit here now, you've got the best view. And I saw him a few times there and myself and my friend Tom actually wrote to Shanghai Disney to kind of commend how good he was as a staff member. And I, so I think when you do have things like that and you do have people saying sort of, you know, oh, have a magical day, even though it seems like maybe they're not completely comfortable with it. I think when you compare it to customer service in general in China, it is very, very good there. But yeah, I tried to rate this as well on kind of, I tried to do it fairly. So for me, obviously, it did have that magic every day. Well, not every day. I didn't go there every day, but I did go there a lot. And it did in comparison to my life of living in Shanghai. But when I went back in November, after we'd moved, we hadn't been in China for about 10 months. It was still magical, but there wasn't something quite on par as what you get with the American parks, for example. So that's why it's an average for me. Yeah. And then in terms of food, it's it's a two. There's not a lot of great offerings on offer there. Remy's Patisserie, which I mentioned briefly, is where I used to go pretty much every time I went to that park because it was, you know, the most reliable in terms of bakery bits, sandwiches, things like that. But it was very expensive. Any other kind of Chinese offerings that you get there didn't really ever appeal to me. There are some good restaurants outside in the Disney town. We have things like we have things like the Cheesecake Factory, Wolfgang Park, but we're talking about the actual park here itself. So yeah, for me it's a two. Yeah, it made me really angry. Like I, I gave it a one because the Cheesecake Factory in China was exactly the same as the Cheesecake Factory that I've eaten in in America. Like the food was the same quality and the same with Wolfgang Park. But yet, you know, the Disney food in the park is not the same. And how can Wolfgang Park and Cheesecake Factory get it right? But in the park, they just can't. And I had to give it a one. It's the worst Disney food I've ever had. That hoisin pizza was a disgrace to humanity. I think... I don't know if that's worse than the salad. I actually don't know. It was repulsive. And I've actually had a hoisin duck pizza since at a pub in Hove, which is near where Tash and I live. And that was really delicious. So I don't even think it's that the concept was weird. It's just the food. I had some noodles as well one of the days and they were disgusted, like nothing I ate. And then I tried like Western food because I was like, okay, well, the Chinese food here for whatever reason is not the same quality as the Chinese food I've been eating in China for the last two weeks. And the Western food was off as well. It was just the only thing I ate that was okay was a blueberry muffin. But even that wasn't from the park. That was from the hotel and then, yeah, the dinners, I ate one night at Wolfgang Puck and one night at Cheesecake Factory and they were delicious, but 
they're not in the park either. They're in Disney Town. So I, I had to give it a one. Yeah, I'm not surprised you you gave it a one for, for food. And then uniqueness. Maybe I've been a little bit generous here. I gave it a five. I know it is a traditional castle park, but you have got that amazing enchanted storybook castle, which is the biggest. It's representative of all the princesses. So it's completely unique in that way. We have got that amazing Tron ride. We've got that Pirates of the Caribbean, which is very unique. We're getting a Zootopia land there. So I think it's a pretty unique park. So for me, I gave it a five. Yeah, for me, I gave Magic Kingdom and Tokyo Disney and Hong Kong Disney all twos because I don't feel that they're very unique at all. I think they're just a carbon copy of the Disneyland park. I gave Disneyland Paris a four because I feel that it is like a net level it's a Parisian view if you will and they've made it more beautiful because they see France as a beautiful place and I had a similar feeling with Shanghai as well so I gave it a four because it's not just your typical Disneyland that you find anywhere in the world the land themes are different the lands are actually in a completely different order as well which did confuse me for a while but you know it's nice to see something a bit different so yeah I think for uniqueness it is very unique as far as that sort of castle park goes so I gave it a four which means that it comes in with a grand total of 33 which means it's just slightly behind Disneyland Paris but it's ahead of something like a Hong Kong Disneyland or even a Tokyo Disneyland which I think feels right okay so the results are in so let's have a look at how we ranked So I think absolutely no surprises. In last place, we had Walt Disney Studios with an abysmal 18 points, which is really quite shocking. Following on from that, in the next place, we had Hong Kong Disneyland with 22. So just slightly up from Walt Disney Studios. I don't think either of us are surprised that those two parks came came the lowest. No, I I maybe would have predicted Hollywood Studios would have been down there, but I'm not surprised about Walt Disney Studios at all. And then next up with 29 points in ninth place, we have Tokyo Disneyland, which again, not really surprised by that. I could see that one sort of coming. I'm surprised by that. A lot of people say that the Tokyo Resort is their best and their favourite and everything. So I think that's why it's so interesting to break them down at park level. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Some real uh, surprises are going to come out here, I think, as we get through it. And then in eighth place, it really actually does sadden me this one. It's Shanghai Disneyland and that only got 33 points. And that is, I would say, one of my favourite parks. So I'm a bit sad that it only got eighth. But there we go. The list does not lie. Because it's in Asia. Like, I know that sounds awful, but it's the same as the next one that you're about to call out. They, they, they're not in the US, so they're never going to do well. Yeah, I I can kind of see what you mean. So yeah, the next one in seventh place, you guessed it, with 36 points, it is Disneyland Paris. And yeah, I feel sad about that too. But as I say, it's unfortunately the food lets these guys down and the customer experience as well. Yeah, definitely. Couldn't agree more with you there. And then in sixth place with 37 points, we have Hollywood Studios, which does surprise me a little bit I thought that maybe would have ranked behind Paris yeah I'm furious that that has made it into the top six like are you kidding I think it's one of the worst parks but again you can't fight the American 
food and the American customer service. So, you know, when we talk about, oh, Walt Disney World's amazing, well, we've only called one of the four parks so far. So, yeah, as a collective, they're strong. Yep. And then getting into the top five. So this one, it does surprise me and I'm quite pleased about this one. So in fifth place with 39 points, it's Tokyo Disney Sea. So it's good to see one of those parks from another place is getting into the good spots with this list. Definitely. Yeah. I'm pleased that at least one of the top five is not an American park and I'm not surprised it's Tokyo Disney Sea. Obviously I haven't been, but I hear nothing but rave reviews from those that have. Absolutely. And then fourth place with 40 points. Now this one surprises me a little bit. It's the Magic Kingdom. I'm really surprised. Like I would have thought Magic Kingdom would be like the top spot. I'm really shocked by that, but the list does not lie. No, I'm really surprised by that. And then in spot number three, getting into the top three, taking the silver medal with 41 points, we have California Adventure. The bronze medal, Tash. But yes, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about the silver medal. Um, And the second spot, we do have a joint second winner. So both with 45 points taking our silver medal we have animal kingdom and epcot i'm really surprised about animal kingdom because i would never in my wildest dreams say that it's the second best disney park but yeah i mean the list the list doesn't lie but epcot it, i'm not surprised it does not i mean i would have said that second would be Magic Kingdom and then Epcot and Animal Kingdom would be joint third or third and fourth yeah and then so of course that brings us to number one so the ultimate Disney park with 46 points is Disneyland kind of makes you wonder why they bothered building all these other parks really doesn't it you could have just stuck with the original from 1955 and be done with it I know there you go but then I think in terms of things like you know at least those other parks I know some of them marked down in in uniqueness, but we do have some unique offerings there. And, you know, I think Disneyland just can't be compared because it is is Walt's Park. But there we go. There you have it. There are some surprises there for us as well. I would not have said that Animal Kingdom and Epcot would have been my second and third favourite parks, but, but there we are. But please do get in touch with us and let us know what you think, what you would put in your top spot. You can reach us as always on Instagram at Chat Disney. Or we're on Twitter at Chat Disney UK. We are now going to move into the final segment of the episode, Mad Chatter. Most everyone's mad here. <laughs> so for this week's Mad Chatter, the topic is the UK Disney Cruise, the staycation Disney magic at sea. And if you've been listening to the last few episodes, you'll know that Tash and I have been pretty opinionated about what we think about this. We did actually do a whole Mad Chatter where we kind of discussed our thoughts and feelings about how the cruise might be and whether or not we wanted to go. But we thought we should update you all now that the cruise has gone on sale. It went on sale two weeks ago now and let you know whether or not we're going and what we think about the pricing and stuff like that. So first of all, off the bat, Tash, are you going on the Disney Magic at Sea? I am not going on the Disney Magic at Sea cruise. I don't think I was ever really going to go. I was sort of intrigued by price. But yeah, a cruise ultimately is just not for me. I'm not a big fan of the sea. I do get quite claustrophobic. So being out at sea 
is not really my ideal. What I would have loved would if there had been an option to just go on the boat for an afternoon while it's docked and have a walk around. I would have absolutely loved that. Uh, Mercedes, are you going? Were you tempted? I'm not going on the Disney Magic at Sea and I'm devastated about that. For me, the price point was right. So for those of you that weren't fortunate enough to get a place or just haven't looked and are curious, to go for a two-night cruise for me and one other person in the cheapest accommodation from London, it was going to be about £600. So it's going to be about £300 each, which is about £150 a day. And that's unlimited food, unlimited drink, Disney shows. I think that's a really good price point. When we were talking about how much we'd be prepared to pay, I said that I'd pay if it was £300. So you might be sat there thinking, well, why are you not going? I'm not going because I wasn't able to get one of those cheap rooms because by the time it was open to the public on Friday, two weeks ago now, two Fridays ago, they were all gone. So the cheapest room I could have got was over a thousand pounds for two nights. And when you think that Tash and I paid 300 pounds each for our Disneyland Paris trip last year, that was five days long, there's no way I'm going to pay a thousand pounds to go on a cruise for two days. But secondly, and arguably most importantly, the reason I'm not going on this cruise is because I haven't even had one vaccine yet. I certainly don't think that I'll have had two by the time we get to July. That's only two months away. So it just wasn't accessible for me, which is devastating. Yeah, I I mean, yeah, you can't argue with that really, can you? And I know that that is probably a government-instructed piece of advice, although I don't actually know if the government have said anything about not being able to travel or go abroad unless you're vaccinated yet, as far as I'm aware. So it's, it's, I don't know, it's not very clear where that piece of information has come from. Yeah, I think that listeners that are listening to this today on Monday, the, don't know what the date is, Monday, the quick maths, 10th of May, I think, who knows? So yeah, they might know because the rumour is that there's going to be a government announcement Friday the 7th of May, God, my maths is so bad, about travel, about international travel. So you might know, you might be listening to this in the future and you might know what's happening with vaccines and things like that. But at this present moment in time, we don't know whether or not a vaccine is going to be required to enter a specific country or to leave this country or whatever it is. But for the cruise, two vaccines were required. So it really did mean that it was limited. And I just think that as Tasha said, kind of throughout this process, I kind of remained blindly optimistic. But the whole organisation of this cruise has been an absolute disaster. And this is just the icing on top of the cake, not releasing prices, then going on sale to the general public and not having any of the affordable accommodation available and making it compulsory to have had two vaccines. I mean, I'm 30 this year. It's plausible that I could have well, I could have a 15-year-old if I so wished, but let's say I had a seven-year-old and a five-year-old, for example, and that was going to be our family holiday this summer. Neither myself nor Grumpy have actually had one vaccine. So we'd have to say, sorry, you know, Donald and Daisy, whatever their names are, these two fictitious children, you can't go because mummy and daddy haven't had the vaccine. I mean, that is just, we're the age, because that's the thing, when it first came out, not very many of my friends have had children yet. So I was kind of like, oh, well, you know, our age bracket, not very many of us have kids and stuff. But that's just not the case with 30. Like loads of 30-year-olds have kids and will want to have gone on this. And 
yeah, I mean, it's unless you've got a health problem, if you're 30 and you're living in the UK, you haven't had a vaccine yet. Yeah, definitely. I, I completely agree with you. I think it was like it was a bit of a misjudgment on on their site when they were organizing this and when they first promoted it. I just think the whole way through the whole thing has been a complete sham how they've gone about it. Uh, but I am very excited to see you know, the YouTubes, the vlogs, the social media posts about the cruise, because I just want to see what that cruise ship is like. And I can't wait to hear reviews. And I hope it's fantastic. I hope it's really good. And I hope that they do it again next summer and we can go on it then. But who who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. So that is pretty much everything with regards to the cruise that we're going to be talking about for this week. And did you get to make a booking are you going to the cruise please let tash and i know again that twitter handle is at chat disney uk or you can find us on instagram at chat disney so please do join us next week for another very exciting episode of the chat disney podcast it's going to be episode 114 can you believe we're in the hundreds tash i can't believe we're in we're in the hundreds it's, it's crazy isn't it two years and in the hundreds you know there is no stopping us yet so do join us next week for more chat disney related fun we will see you then see you then bye thank you goodbye now goodbye goodbye thank you goodbye